Welcome to the KKCL ELT podcast. This is a podcast for anyone interested in the world of teaching English as a foreign language. I'm Phil Keegan, Director of Studies and Head of Teacher Training at Catherine King's College of London. Episode 4, Technology and Language Learning, Part 2. With me in the studio today are my colleagues Will Corner. Hello. And Oliver Hipkins. Hello. In part one of technology and language learning, we talked in more global terms about the topic, whether technology is necessary or a good thing and so on. Nick Peachy argued forcefully that the most important thing for a school to focus on is good connectivity. And that after that, I think we all agreed that a good data projector and a computer in every classroom is very, very useful. Spending a fortune on interactive whiteboards is pretty much on the way out, well, so we all think. In part two of this podcast, we want to talk specifically about technologies that can be used in the classroom. I asked Nick to tell us about some of his favourite classroom applications. Some of the things that I like using in, in a connected classroom are things like a, a, a back channel. I mean, I use a site called Today's Meet to create one, and it creates a kind of small chat room which connects up all your students and then you can sort of run your class without using paper. So I can sort of pass links to websites through the back channel and that puts them onto my students' uh, computers instantly. My students can interact through the back channel and ask each other questions. Uh, we can use it for sort of audience response. And uh, so for me, that's that's kind of my core my core application is is that sort of backroom chat channel that's where i what makes everything run and connects everything together it's a web-based application so you can use it on anything you know anything that has a web browser it will run on and again that's one of the big advantages because you don't you're not sort of tied to a platform so if somebody's got an ipad they can run it on an ipad if they've got some kind of Android smartphone, it'll run on there or it'll run on a laptop or it'll run on any, anything. And I think that's sort of a good thing to be aware of is to try and pick applications that are cross-platform compatible in that way, you know, so that you're not, especially, you know, if, if you are sort of running a school where you're just providing the connectivity and you're not providing hardware, then, you know, whatever somebody brings along you know, they should be able to use. And uh, I think that that kind of cross-platform compatibility is a sort of important issue within that. Any other apps or, or programs? Um, for, for, for sort of writing activities, I, li I like to use something called SyncIn, which is, um, is a collaborative writing tool, and it creates a piece of digital paper on your, on your computer or your iPad or whatever you're using, and it enables four or five people to write into that at the same time. And I find that's really good for sort of um, writing activities, collaborative writing activities. Again, that's something I use a lot for sort of collaborative note-taking and sort of uh, peer sort of writing, peer correction activities and things like that. Thinking. Sync in, it's spelled S-Y-N-C dot I-N. 
and it, again it's free to use you just click a button and it creates a piece of paper for you that four or five people can use so i can have groups of students working in groups of four and i can actually what monitor what they're doing as they write through the through the um the webs the web page that it creates and the other night, on smartphones tablets yeah, sh laptops should work on anything that has a, a browser it's browser based so it, it tends to run on anything with a reasonable browser the the nice thing about it as well is that it, it records the writing process and what you can do is actually play back play it back it afterwards and you see how your students constructed the text and who edited what pieces and who did what it sort of color codes their entries as well so it's a really interesting thing to use and especially if you're sort of if you want to sort of understand how your students construct text as well you can sort of have a look into their and see into their minds of, of the, the the sort of text construction process well, that's fascinating. I, I really like the sound of that because it's, yeah. it's getting into the process of writing, not just the product, yeah. which is yeah. nothing new, but it's, it's using the technology with some really mm. good methodology. Yes, it is, yeah. And I mean, that, that's the key, really, is, you know, I, I look for things that are simple and sort of effective in that way and that don't take sort of too much time to learn, really. The other thing that I'm quite keen on at the moment is sort of video communication tools. And again, I've used something called uh, MailView, which is mail, M-A-I-L-V-U.com. And that enables anyone who's got a, a laptop or a computer with a webcam to, send, to record a 10-minute spoken message and send it very simply by email and uh, I think that's a great one for developing speaking skills and again it's you know this ability to communicate using video is a, a very useful skill to have in the 21st century you know. Ollie you've been experimenting with back channeling in your classes um, come on what's it like? Um, really good I was really impressed Phil and I think the students really enjoyed it too. Okay well take us through it. Uh, I used today's meet, the one that Nick Peachy mentions. I told the students about two days in advance to bring their laptops, their iPhones or their iPods or whatever they, they have that they can access the internet on. Before the students arrived to class, I made sure the projector was working, everything was on the wall, all set up, and I opened the room. So the room is the website that we're using. It's a virtual room where everybody connects to and communicates through. Okay. And what you need is the URL or the website link to that room written on the board so everybody can access that really easily. So I gave them the login details and then we all logged in and we all typed a message to each other to make sure that we're all connected. So like, for example, hello, nice and easy. And then I explained to them that what I wanted to do was answer questions to a questionnaire, but not on paper, using this online platform. So I handed out a selection of questionnaires which all had questions to do with awkward moments at work and what you would do in certain situations and then each student answered each question and every couple of minutes we had five or six answers pinged up on the board for us all to have a look at, praise, um, maybe make suggestions uh, and compare. And can you print this out at some point? Absolutely, at the end of the lesson we actually um, printed out a copy for every student. Um, you have to shrink it down quite a lot because you'd be surprised how much is produced in one lesson, a lot of language. Um, but you know, it, I thought it was brilliant. I thought the result was a highly collaborative lesson where everybody really got their teeth into the new uh, technology.
So you're going to keep using this? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to try and bring it in on a regular basis. Actually, um, I was in my Spanish class last weekend and um, halfway through the lesson, I noticed the projector was all set up and it was on. So I said to my teacher, have a look at this. She started using it. It was really easy. Um, and her response was, muy bien. An app that I've come across recently is SoundCloud. With SoundCloud, you can upload recordings or you can record directly onto SoundCloud itself. I think what's interesting for teachers is that you can record your students. Uh, you can record them doing extended speaking or you can record them speaking to each other. And then when you play back the recording, you can put written comments in at certain points, i.e. giving them feedback on their language production. You can then give this back to the students and they can listen through and the comments will pop up on their screens. And I can see this having a great deal of potential. For more information about SoundCloud, though, have a look at teachertrainingvideos.com. I'll put the link up on the website blog. I've been reading uh, Language Learning with Technology by Graham Stanley. It's published by Cambridge University Press. And one of the things he suggests is uh, getting students uh, to create these little animated films using websites. And the website he suggests in the book is Go Animate. There are some other ones, but Go Animate seems pretty straightforward and I think this is really good for junior students and we are definitely going to use this in our summer school. Now what you do is you start off by selecting the characters, uh, their pre-made characters and uh, pre-made scenes. So the students set that up and then uh, they start writing the dialogue and what happens is the characters will speak the dialogue. There's a text-to-speech function, which means that they will actually speak what you type. And you can play around with this. You can edit the dialogue, so you can go back and change things. You can add things. And then uh, you can watch the whole thing back. One of the really good features here is students have the opportunity to record their own dialogue onto the website to replace this text-to-speech. So if you're doing the final version, you can get the students to do the dialogue, voiceover, and the characters will actually lip-sync to this dialogue. And then you can sit back and watch the final product. I had one final question for Nick. What does the future hold for technology and language learning? Wow. In the kind of immediate future, the things that are kind of exciting me most at the moment are things like something called augmented reality, um, which is sort of the ability to sort of overlay the internet onto onto our real uh, location environment. Uh, this is something that's been kind of enabled through um, mobile phones and GPS. So now, you know, because your mobile phone knows exactly where you are on the map, you know, it, it can sort of... It can filter the internet to you in a way that's sort of locationally specific and relevant to where you are and i think this is this is quite an exciting thing i think for for, for sort of learning and uh, so that you know you can get information about where you are as a, as a you know as a student there's a nice little app which is a good example of it called wikitude and what it does is it overlays wikipedia onto wherever you are so you open up you know the camera on your on your your phone with the with with the Wikitude app, and you hold it up and you point it in any direction, and it'll log 
onto your location any wiki entries that are relevant to where you are, any Wikipedia entries that are relevant to where you are. So you can sort of actually research, you know, what's immediately around you sort of in Wikipedia. And, and that's kind of nice, a nice use of it. That strikes me as having a great potential for language lessons, for English lessons of, of incorporating yeah. that, that kind of local, what am I thinking? Well, local relevance, real relevance to the to yeah. people where they are. And yeah, relate, you know, that's right. Relating the, the learning to exactly what's going on around them kind of thing. Yeah. There's another another nice one called Voices, which is like Voices with a W, which enables you to actually sort of create entries yourself. So you, you can take a photograph of where wherever you are, then record something about it and upload it to the internet, and it's tagged to that location. So then anyone who comes along to that location who has the app can find out look at other people's photographs and find out what they've said about where they are you know and as a teacher that's a really nice thing like if especially if you're working in the UK and you have students who come to the UK you can create your own kind of little um, treasure hunt around town so you can go to different places and uh, you know take a photograph record an audio and when your students go there they can sort of look at your picture and listen to it and you know and research the different places around them and start sharing their own experiences of those places as well you know that's a great kind of speaking activity that gets students out into the real environment and uh, you know gets them creating materials and and gives them speaking practice you know uh, sounds brilliant frankly absolutely brilliant yeah you know, and and those are the I think are really great things that are happening in technology. You know, that that's kind of you know where I see the immediate future anyway. Much more sort of connected to to where students are and and what they need at the time. Much more personalised and differentiated kind of learning. One thing we haven't mentioned is uh, learning management systems or virtual learning environments. I have to tell you that Will here is positively chomping at the bit to talk about them. Ah, oh, yes, I've got quite a lot to say about VLEs. The thing is, you. I'm not going to let him. I think this topic is best dealt with in a future podcast when we talk about online and distance learning. Sorry, Will. Fair enough. There's no doubt that technology can bring a new dimension to the classroom and the whole learning experience. But it's not all sweetness and light or fun and games or roses and beetroot. I'm not sure where that last metaphor came from. For example, I tried to use the SyncIn app that Nick mentioned, but the free version is not available at the moment. I don't know why and I don't know if it will be. Nick told me about another app which does more or less the same thing. It's called Etherpad. Um, the link will be on the blog page. But this does show that there is obviously a downside to using technology. If you use any kind of machine or software, it can, of course, go wrong. Computers crash, cables break or mysteriously disappear just at the moment you need them. And internet connections, especially Wi-Fi, can be as temperamental as a hormone-ravaged teenager. In respect of internet connectivity, if you want to use a YouTube or other video, it's a really good idea to download it first so you don't have to be dependent on your internet connection in class. There's a link to an article by Nick on the blog page about different ways of downloading and saving video. Have a look at that. Apps can also be tricky to learn how to use, and there's a lot of issues with apps being promoted as being free. But in fact, to use any of the good bits or not be plagued by advertising, a premium version needs to be purchased. On the other hand, what exactly are app developers and programmers supposed to live on if all of their work is to be given away for free? They do need to eat now and again, I really don't see how we can expect to have an endless supply of free software. 
I think the most important thing when it comes to using technology is to practice. Using technology, both hardware and software, is essentially a skill, and all skills can be practiced. Don't go into a classroom and use a piece of technology or a piece of software for the first time. Practice first. Make sure you know how to hook things up if you need to do that. Check to see if you need any extra cables. Mac users, for example, need special adapters, and they're annoyingly expensive too. Check that you know how to turn things on. Check that you know how to open a program and get it up on the projector screen. And make sure that you can do all of those things in the classroom, not just at your desk. I was thinking of an analogy. My wife and I love to cook, and we like to invite guests and cook for them. But when guests are coming, we never prepare something that we've never cooked before. When guests are coming, we want them to have a nice evening, to have a nice meal. So we prepare something that we know how to cook. We don't want to prepare something when we don't know what could go wrong. I think using technology is the same kind of thing. To sum up, I think using technology in class is great. It's great because it can motivate learners. Well, some learners, probably a lot of learners. And I agree with Nick's point from part one of the podcast that as English teachers, we're helping people to learn how to communicate, and that communication in today's interconnected world involves being able to communicate with digital media. I'm all in favour of that. However, I also think that edtech is not a panacea. For me, all the apps, gizmos, and gadgets in the world do not, in themselves, a good teacher make. Good teaching is good teaching, and bad teaching is bad teaching, regardless of whether the teacher is using technology or not. I would like to think that if I were to teach somewhere where there were no computers, no internet, no machines or gadgets, I would still be able to do a good job. And I think any teacher worth his or her salt should be able to say that. So that brings us to the end of episode four of the KKCL podcast, an episode where I have not managed to slip in a single reference to Pink Floyd. <sighs> many, many thanks indeed to the excellent Mr. Peachy for his insights and tips, and for taking the time to talk to me. All links, references, and so on are on the blog page, where you can also leave feedback and comments if you so desire. We will be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode. In the meantime, it's goodbye from us. Bye. And enjoy teaching. You have been listening to the Catherine and King's College of London ELT podcast. The podcast was presented by Phil Kagan and produced by Will Corner and Oliver Hipkins. The music was composed and performed by Oliver Hipkins, Steve Munns and Phil Kagan.